Yo, what's up, world? It's your boy Kaz once again for the Say Less Podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and now YouTube. Yes, that's right. Shout out to the good folk Extreme Yard. Instead of giving you this audio playlist for the first two weeks now, if you subscribe to my YouTube page, that's youtube.com slash Kazim, you will get full access to all of my video interviews, especially for Say Less. Today's episode's a good one. I got my good friend Danielle Robay out of Los Angeles by way of Chicago on the episode. She is an extremely talented entertainment journalist and influencer. Uh, we met back in Miami for Super Bowl weekend and, uh, you know, we did the NFL Sunday ticket uh, acti- uh, activation with DirecTV, where we interviewed guys like Peyton Manning, Larry Fitzgerald, Dak Prescott, you name it. We talked to him. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to learn more about her as the days and months have gone on. And she's legitimately one of the most interesting people that I've ever gotten to meet, man. She was one of the youngest uh, journalist or, or television journalist in the history of Chicago TV. You can catch her on IMDb, NBC Los Angeles, and a bunch of other places, man. She's super dope. We get into a great talk about everything going on in the world with Corona COVID-19, the coronavirus. Um, just talking about, you know, a really interesting talk about Louis C.K., which I think you guys are going to love. And uh, just a bunch of things, man. She's super dope, super smart. And um, she has launched a program called Pretty Smart. She's the founder and the host of it. Uh, she's, she's, she's just dope. She's a dope person. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel Robay. And uh, let's get into it, man. Emilio, you know what to do. Select her. Hit the fucking music. Yo, what's up? Welcome back to Say Less with Kaz. I'm your host, Kaz, obviously. Thank you so much for everybody who subscribed on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, all that good stuff. But now, if you're watching this through the miracle of technology and home studios, like this little light next to me and this mic next to me, uh, you're watching on YouTube. So, you know, clearly, this wasn't the idea when we were first launching this show. But uh, now we are, uh, you know, just kind of rolling with the punches with everything going on in the world. But that's neither here nor there. We're not going to talk about all that stuff. We're going to talk about fun stuff, good stuff. And, you know, if you got this, you know, for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, takes your mind off of everything going on in the world, then I feel like we've done a good job. Um, So... Oh, wait, we, we popped her in already. My bad. Hold on. We're going oh, we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna slide the host out real quick. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get her in a minute before I give her <laughs> the intro that I always do. But <laughs> obviously, uh, my guest for today, um, she's a very good friend of mine. I met her. God damn. I want to say we met a few months ago uh, during Super Bowl weekend. Um, working in Miami, ran into Chicago. Her on-air experience includes uh, hosting credits like Entertainment Tonight Online, NBC4, CNN's Dr. Drew. She's interviewed everybody, 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 everybody under the sun, including Tom Hanks, Gina Rodriguez, Michael B. Jordan, Meg Thee Stallion, Taylor Swift. She's a correspondent out in L.A. for NBC. She's the host of IMDb Weekly's What's on TV, and she is the founder and host of Pretty Smart, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Daniel Rabay is joining us. Hey, Danielle. Kaz, I love that you named your your show Say Less because you are a man of so many words. <laughs> That's the truth. You get the show. Don, I get, get it so well. I love it. <laughs> when well, I first well, met you, our mutual friend, I said, like, what's he like? How is he? Because we were hosting together. Yeah. And the thing he wrote back is, he's such a good talker. that's good you know what listen in in our in our line of work i guess that's a good thing yeah my gosh i mean i remember the first weekend we met i was like you know uh jitty shout out to our guy jitten uh out in um uh, out in florida and uh i just remember you just being so professional like just you had notes and you had everything and I'm looking at the Instagram like oh she's a real deal I'm like y- y'all sure y'all want to be like she's like <laughs> I know like, see I wish I could just like be free the way you do it but I'm so 
I'm obsessed. Like I care about every question and every, I like, I want to be like the millennial Barbara Walters, you know? So it's like research-based always. Listen, no, I, I see, I, 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 I see the vision. I see the vision. <laughs> it's very good. So um, obviously right now you're not in L.A. You're in Chicago with, with, with the fam and, you know, yeah. uh, social distancing, quarantine, and all that type of stuff. So um, obviously first question that I'd, I'd like to ask you is uh, how are you holding up during the quarantine? Thank you. I'm holding up. I think the first week I was shell-shocked. It, mm-hmm. uh, I had, like, mood swings, which I don't have usually. I was kind of up and down. And now – it's like I'm in it. I'm in the flow of quarantine. I feel like I have my rhythm. I wake up kind of late, have some iced coffee that I make and and do my thing. I'm working on projects that, you know, I've wanted to work on and didn't have time for. Um, calling for, I feel like FaceTimes bring me the most joy during this stuff. Oh yeah. Oh you yeah. Know, just trying to laugh. Yeah, like it's it's such a I feel like every time I wake up it's, it's sort of like a uh, a roller coaster of emotions cuz it's like yeah, you know, I, I, I I've been having just weird ass dreams this entire like contagion dreams or dreams of like exes. <laughs> just every everything. It's all it's all fit in like I, I, every day every day I've woken up it's been like Oh, okay. That was just a dream. Then it's like, oh, you wake up to reality, and then it's like, oh, okay, you already kind of figured out your routine, and then you hit the routine, and you just kind of like ride that out, and you check on everybody. You do your, you do your kind of wake ups. I'm like, all right, mom's good, brother's good, aunt's good, cousin's good, family's good, my girl's good, great. All right, and then you just kind of like roll with the punches. And this show has actually been like super therapeutic as well. Like the first. One of the first guests I had in the show was uh, Roz Golden Woody, who does our uh, first take and, yeah. and Players Tribune. And like, this was like maybe a day or two into like really quarantining. And we were just like, it was almost like therapy for both of us. Like, we cried, we laughed, we yelled. It was. Can we everything. talk about this for a second? Because like, obviously, I follow you on Instagram uh, and quarantine hits. I'm like, oh my God all my jobs are gone. Like I'm in this like weird gray phase. And all of a sudden I see on Instagram, Kaz new show called say less. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when did you come up with this? Was this something that you've like had on the docket for a while? Cause I don't, it was like right out the gate. Yeah. Uh, th- that's, that's the thing about this, man. Like it was so, the timing of this couldn't have been worse. Cause like I had, I had a studio ready. I was about to launch my own show. I had sponsors ready. I had this whole live component I was going to do. I had so many things set, the logo, yeah. everything. And then it's like, you can't leave the house for like the next two months. I'm like, and maybe a year, maybe a year, like maybe until we get a vaccine. Like, yeah. I don't know. But um, yeah, man, it, it was one of those things where I was just kind of waiting for a while and just being like, okay, well, you know, it'll be like this for like a couple of weeks and then, you know, we'll just get right back to it. And every day it became more and more apparent that like, nah, this is just, this just might be life for now on. Like, mm-hmm. we're not just going to go back to the way things were one day, like maybe gradually. Yes. But like everything's changed. So I was like, you know what? I need something to do every day. I need some sort of daily, whether it's inspirational, whether it's fun, where it's just like, you know, just for me, where I could just like talk to my friends and, you know, people that get sort of any sort of inspiration from people. Um, that's kind of what the show came from. It wasn't no real direction. It was just like, I'm just going to talk to people that I find interesting and that I enjoy their their company and their conversation. So, you know, you were what, obviously one of the first people I was talking to. I was like, Danielle, need you to get on here so we could, you know, have a skull session and just, you know, not think about the craziness outside of our window. So when you were talking about like the the high points, what's like when you say you're down, like what gets you down? Gosh, it was like, I mean, just just the news, you know what I mean? Like just knowing that like, okay, great, your family's good and your immediate friends and family are good, but like it's only going to get worse. Like everybody out there is, is suffering. And it's like, I'm a, I'm a big empath. I'm a, I'm a sensitive Pisces bro. So it's like when people are going through things, like I feel for them, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like and every day I'm almost like avoiding my own uh, group chats. Cause it's, it's getting closer every day. It's like, Oh man, my, my coworker got it and passed away. Oh, my friend's, 
father passed away. Oh, my stepfather. Oh, my mom is in the hospital. And it's just like every day it's just gotten closer and closer. So, I mean, like that kind of brings you down. But, you know, it's one of those things where we're all just kind of got to take care of each other right now and just do our part to, you know, not spread this thing and take care of yourself. And like the best thing that we can do right now is just be healthy and and do the best we can to, you know, I can't be my best self if I'm not healthy for everyone else. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of been my whole deal. So, um, you know, let, let's, let's, let's swing it back to you before you turn it into an interview of me. All right, no, <laughs> um, so let's, you know, obviously you talked about, you know, why, where, how I can be down sometimes or whatever and, and things happen, but with everything in the world going on, what's something that you think, is it really being talked about right now that should be in the conversation? In terms of Corona? Yeah. In terms of just everything going on in life right now, you're, you seem very observant about uh, mm-hmm. everything in life and in your interviews are very, uh, you, you, t- you, t- you tend to touch a lot of points. So um, what do you think is just being very severely underreported when it comes to this whole thing? That's a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, how COVID is disproportionately affecting minority groups. Mm. Um, I, I heard Elizabeth Warren finally mention something. She was the first person I heard really talk about it on Twitter, even yesterday. But I, I think in Chicago, I heard that, uh, I read that 70% of COVID deaths are black men. Wow. And that's, that's a crazy statistic. Like, why aren't we talking about this? I think, you know, if, if this has brought to light something that I always knew, but maybe didn't see to this uh, perspective is that like the wealth gap in America is so large and this has brought it to light in a major way. I think we're not talking about that enough at all. Yeah. And, and, and it kind of sucks because, you know, when it first started kind of like hitting the, you know, the world and hitting the United States, there was like that silly rumor that like minorities couldn't get it. Like, I guess because there was like a map over there and there was like popping up in like Europe and Australia and China. And then it was like right. nothing in Africa. And then Idris Elba got in. People were like, what? Right. Like, and then, you know, it hit the NBA and I was like, oh, yeah, there's plenty of black folks there. So if you're if you think this can't affect you. I mean, I just thought that was more of a, I thought that was more of a case of just lack of testing than it was lack of a disease, you know? So yeah. that was definitely something that was really silly to me. And at the same time, I kind of feel that, you know, right now everybody's saying one thing that really bothers me is that everyone's saying, well, this is the time that everyone in America is on an equal playing field. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely like, it's definitely going to hit, you know, minority neighborhoods harder. It's going to hit minorities harder. They're never going to recover. If you have a small business, you might never recover. Like healthcare is different. Yeah. Like you can't, if a lot of people I know don't have health insurance, you know what I mean? So like, if you get this, like, it's like, you're you're pretty much on your own. And, um, you know, it's, and I, I live in like a neighborhood that is, you know, pretty well off. So, you know, just seeing the differences of of how things are here yeah. and it's like knowing like my old neighborhood out in Harlem and seeing what's going on over there. I still sublease my old place to uh, one of my friends and just seeing how different it is over here than it is down in Harlem is just been really eye opening and not eye opening to me, but just like, you know, all the things that you always hear about just about, OK, well, the, the wealth distribution and, and, you know, the class distribution and how everything in the country is really not in your hands and yada, yada, yada. You hear it your whole life, but like once you see it, it's never been more apparent than it is right now. I also think this is something we talked about offline last week via text, but mm-hmm. there is this major gap in information, like the, the distribution of information, the way people are receiving things. So like, we were talking about how our parents at first weren't taking this as seriously as they needed to. And I think here we are like receiving so much good information via Twitter on Instagram. And they're probably not doing that. They're getting their information from CNN and the news stations, which is 
different information in a lot of ways. And so you're seeing like young people kind of take this parental role now that because their parents aren't understanding or taking it as seriously, hopefully by now they are. But I thought that was like the information divide was interesting too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I almost got into a huge argument with my mom about, I guess almost four weeks ago now when I was telling her like, yo, just stay home. I'm like, yo, if you, if you feel like you're going to miss a paycheck, like I'll take care of it. Just like stay home. I'm, I'm hearing all these things. Oh, don't worry about it. Da, 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 da. I mean, the news, I'm like, no, you got to understand. I'm a social media guy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm overloaded with information. So before right. I can even break anything down, I'm just like, no, just stay home and let everybody else figure it out. And then, yes. say, okay, things are cool. Then, you know, we'll work it out. And I don't think anyone's going to give you any shit if, you know, you miss a couple of days of work. And now, obviously, yeah. she's like, you know what? You were right. And, you know, it's been two weeks since she's been home and she's good. So, like, that's, you know, gave me a little bit of a sigh of relief. So, and now the iPhone, like, you know, when the new iPhone comes out and you're like, I'm going to let other people get the phone, work out the kinks, the tweaks, the stuff that doesn't work with the iOS version, whatever. Yeah. And now it's like, you guys go out in May, enjoy the air. Good. Exactly. I think I'm just going to go right back into, it's a party and then going to the yeah. stadiums. I'm like, mm, I'll see you on 2021, bro. Like, exactly. y'all gotta figure out. I got to figure out like the second or third version of what to do with this pandemic before I'm just like the guinea pig to this. Totally. Like, let me know how the air is. I'm good. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, I got FaceTime me. FaceTime me. Like, you totally. said, <laughs> a super helpful thing. We're going to keep, we're going to keep going yeah. with that. So um, another question I'd love to ask you is uh, you were a panelist on Dr. Drew's show. Yeah. Um, on HLN. So what was it like working with him on the show? And what's something that you learned or had to develop there that you thought was rather unique? So I started working on Dr. Drew's show in 2014 and I had never done live TV before. Mm -hmm. I was pretty green, which in TV world means new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was so scared out of my mind going on to that show. And there's this whole like fake it till you make it mentality that you're supposed to have. That's like you walk into the room and you have to portray this confidence because it's the only way they're going to buy into it. Right. Right. I was like, I thought I was going to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) I walked into that green room and it was like out of a movie. I'd never seen anything like that before. Like producers were screaming and people guests were like debating because it's it's like debate driven show. So you have a lot of opinions and like makeup brushes are flying. And I was like, Oh my God. And so a producer goes, go into hair and makeup. You need touch ups. So I walk in and Dr. Drew's sitting in the, there's two makeup chairs. He's sitting in the other makeup chair. Okay. And I'd never met him before. And I think I probably knew him from celebrity rehab. And the 16 and pregnant stuff. And he looks at me and he says, hi, what's your name? I've never seen you. And I said, hi, I'm Danielle Robey. And about eight minutes in, I realized that he was doing the thing to me that I do to other people where I just like fire off questions and I get to know them because I'm genuinely curious. Mm-hmm. And here I am. I'm like, I just got bamboozled. You just questioned me. Like, <laughs> I haven't asked you one thing. Like, you're the interesting one. And I thought to myself, like, here's this guy who's been in TV for 20 something years and he's taking a genuine interest in not only someone he's never met, but like you could tell I was out of my depth. Mm-hmm. And he was so genuinely kind, such a generous listener. Um, and he truly, one of the best people I've ever worked for, like to this day. He's a wonderful human being. And I don't know if you saw the news, but he's gotten a lot of backlash about COVID. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was kind of going to be my next question. I know you've worked with yeah. him uh, for a long time, and obviously he's not the only one that was wrong about a lot of this type of stuff. So right. he, he's kind of gotten a lot of backlash for it. Um, I would just love to know a little bit of your thoughts on, you know, just yeah. when we worked with him and, you know, he said some things about the virus, about people overreacting and especially the media overreacting. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts. I actually wrote something out because I feel like this whole cancel culture thing is not cool. I I don't condone cancel culture for anybody. Um, 
I particularly feel sad about it for him because I really do care about him as a person. Uh, he was wrong about COVID. He was really, really wrong. And I felt he was wrong from the beginning of it. He and I have very different political views and he, he has different political views than a lot of people that came on his show too. Mm-hmm. I think that from what I know, he's a doctor of internal medicine and I felt like any doctor that wasn't like an immunologist or a specialist in this arena probably shouldn't have spoken about it just because they didn't have the breadth of knowledge. Um, and he was wrong, but he admitted he was wrong. And uh, as I can't even tell you how many like wonderful experiences I've had with him. He's such a, he's a man of integrity and character. And I can't say that for everybody I've worked with, especially yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so I feel bummed for him. I think he's probably going through a lot right now, but um, he was also wrong. Yeah, I feel for him, too, because honestly, when this whole pandemic was starting to scare me, he was one of the people that, like, called me down. Like, when I saw that video, I was like, oh, Dr. Drew knows what he's talking about. He wouldn't just be irresponsible with that sort of information. Like, you know, so even the worst it got, I was like, are we sure it's like this? Is the media not bugging out? Like, and, you know, these things happen. So, you know, like you said, you were writing something about cancel culture and how certain people, you know, I, I've yeah. done a show called Flagrant 2, which was staunchly against cancel culture. And mind you, I'm not, you know, the biggest, like, you know, say whatever you want and do this type of shit and curse and be vulgar or whatever. But I will defend your right to say it to the death. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> as you know, I, I, I feel like if you're a comedian, if you're somebody who's in entertainment, if you're not somebody who's, whose, you know, life and career is based on the ability to be right and to be, uh, you know, an upstanding citizen all the time. I don't feel like you should be canceled for things that you think or say, especially if you're trying to entertain, especially if that is part of your art. And I feel like that's what a lot of comedians art is, is just saying what you say for a laugh, you know? So I actually have a question for you because I, I saw that Louis CK did uh, like some sort of thing in the last few days. I don't, I don't know what it was like a live or virtual standup or something. Okay. And I thought to myself, like, I believe in rehabilitation and like reconciliation in general, like second chance for sure. If you have done the work to like, fix whatever was going on and also have like properly apologized. I feel like he hasn't done that. And it's like, vibes. all right, so let's take it there. Right. So like Louis CK, what did he get in trouble for? Right. He, a lot of is, things. You know, he's a very powerful comedian. You know, he was using that influence to do things to women. Not, this is this is my show. Why am I trying to button it up? So he was like jerking off in front of women, right? Because his powerful <laughs> position put him in, he, he put himself in a position where he can like kind of get away with whatever, you know what I mean? So I understand that. Yeah. But at, at the end of the day, right? Like I'm not saying he should have been punished for what he did, right? I'm not saying, you know, oh, everybody's making a big deal. It's just... He's just beating off on himself. I'm like, no, bro, that's disgusting. Like, if that was my sister or my mom or my girl, like, I'm going to have to see you about that, right? Like, so it's not just the, oh, get over it type of thing. But at the same time, when I when you read into, like, the people who did these stories, like, and, and the people who, like, put these things together, it wasn't like the women who were in the room made the complaint. I feel like it was one person who was doing a story that like blew it up to a time that, you know, it was almost like a witch hunt for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Where people kind of wanted to know all this dirt about Hollywood and all this type of stuff. And granted, yes, he did some, he did some really gross shit, but on the, on the totem pole of gross shit in Hollywood, that's like a misdemeanor. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's like Weinstein level. I don't think that's like Weinstein level of like, you know, severely R. Kelly type of Louis C.K. Like, Louis absolutely deserved to be punished. Do I think he should get another chance at, you know, being an entertainer and being in Hollywood and being a comedian? 
Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like everybody serves their penance. I feel like everybody, you but know. That's my question, because I agree with you. Should he have served his penance and, and apologize properly? Then maybe the people that want to receive him can receive him again. Right. right. I like Aziz Ansari, for instance, like, right. you know, there's a spectrum. Like you said, Weinstein is at the end of it. Like most people are not like that. Still, right. everything on the spectrum is wrong. Aziz yeah. apologized, was like, whoa, I may not have been treating women the way I should have been. I'm going to take a look at this. Go have a career. Right. And, and, and it's different with Aziz and Louie because with Aziz, you know, he had to get a Netflix deal. Like, that's a whole different ball game. You have to have a company take another chance on you right. after you kind of, like, stain your legacy. Louie, it's kind of pay for play. You know what I mean? He's been putting out his own stuff through his own website, you mm-hmm. know, for as long as he has. It's not like right. HBO putting him on TV. It's not like Netflix putting him on TV or NBC or none of that stuff or FX. You know, he, he already lost all that. You know, like this is just like for, for somebody to be like, oh, you can't service the people who want to support you because of something you did several years ago that you've apologized for that you've kind of, we've all kind of like gotten past already you know what i mean like grant apologized i don't think he did i think he did i think he i think he uh or maybe he did it you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna speak out of turn and act like he did something that he didn't but at the same time i do feel like when it comes to him it's different when you're a network talent it's different when like a brand or you know and you understand why these brands don't take chances on people like that anymore because it's like, you know, I'm not going to lose my money. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sink $10 million into you knowing that there's a whole section of people that you offended with the dumb shit that you did, you know, and granted I might, I might just be somebody at the top of the food chain over there that just doesn't like what you did. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not going to mess with you anymore. But you know, if you're creating your own ecosystem of, of, uh, of, of money, of of yeah. of income, I think nobody has a right to say, "Oh, he should still be canceled. He shouldn't be able to put out comedy. He shouldn't be able to go and do uh, stand up shows." Like, dude, I heard a bunch of people were like, "Oh my god, I, I went to a comedy show and Louis C.K. popped up, and I was so offended." I'm like, "You can get up and leave. Just just get up and leave. Like, it's it's okay. Like, I, that's I would have been one of those. I'm so offended by him." Yeah. And I'm like, if I, like, this is where you and I disagree, which I think is interesting. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I feel like what he did in my mind is like abhorrent. Mm-hmm. And I don't think from my, to what I, for what I know, like hasn't, he hasn't really apologized. He hasn't like taken a step back to say like, Hmm, maybe my actions are wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like, I don't, I don't want to see your face on the comedy stage. I want to see David Spade. He hasn't done all that gross stuff. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> That's not, right? Until that changes, yeah, that I'd changes. rather see David Spade. <laughs> but at, at the same time, you know, you, you just never know, you know. With him, it's, it's, it's just so different for me because it's like people are paying to see him. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like somebody is forcing you down his throat. Like, it's not like, oh man, I wanted to go watch HBO. And I got to see this guy's face and yada, yada, yada. Like what he did was disgusting. What he did was terrible. At the same time, he's also a comedian and what he did had nothing to do. And mind you, what we were originally talking about before, like things that you say, things that you do in the name of your art, if it offends you, I don't think you should be canceled for that. What he did had nothing to do with stand-up comedy. It wasn't like he was doing something, like he said something and people got offended and it was like, oh, we should get him out of here. What he did had nothing to do with his art. So I'm with you on that. For sure. And I feel like, you know, he lost his TV show, lost a bunch of movies, lost a bunch of deals and everything. I'm not going to be somebody who's going to say, you should lose the right to make a living for yourself at this point. Like, I feel like you're all the, the shame that you got to carry for the rest of your career is to me punishment enough. You know what I mean? Like it's a punishment. I just think of like, in and this is like, take Louis CK, you know, like to the side, I think of all of them and I'm like all the guys that were brought up 
in the Me Too Times Up movement. And I'm always like, we're so worried about them and how to categorize them. And like, how about the women whose careers were ruined in all of this? You know, like they're the ones that either had to quit or got fired or spent like hours of emotional time thinking about how to navigate this. Like, I don't know, maybe we're actually like all talking about the wrong thing. Maybe we should be thinking about how to get these women's careers back. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I mean, like my, my thing is like, what's the best play? Like, what's the best way to kind of go and, and, and rectify these things that you've done? For sure. um, these things that have taken place since, you know, you were kind of put in a position where you had to choose between being part of like a really lewd act or getting a role in a movie or getting, you know, uh, a step ahead in your career. Um, that, that being said, man, like just reading into the, um, just reading into everything that happened with Louis CK and forgive me if I'm like forgetting a lot of the details, like a lot of, I, I thought a lot of the story was, it was a reporter who was doing a story on it. And it wasn't necessarily like the women who were just like, oh, we're going to, it wasn't some Weinstein R. Kelly shit where we're like, you know what, we're going to come together and take this dude down. I think they had just like, I think like Sarah Silverman was one of the women who's like, oh yeah, that's just what Louis does. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's like, that's Sarah Silverman who's like very talented and has a, a, a flourishing career. You know what I'm saying? And like, I don't think that really stopped her from being, you know, a, an incredible talent. And, For sure. um, you know, but then, you know, it, it's kind of hard and almost a little bit unfair to be like, all right, well, because Louis C.K. jerked off in front of me in a room, I'm not, I don't have a career. I'm not funny. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's all the way fair too. like, and, and granted, I don't think we'll ever be like, okay, this is the standard baseline on everything. Mm-hmm. But I do believe it's almost, unf- there's, there's wrong on both parts when it comes to like, well, you know, you're not going to be able to, to to have a career now because you were one of these women that spoke out against this powerful guy. Like, no, I don't think he's that powerful. I don't think he's like Weinstein type of powerful that he can literally make or break you like that. Am I wrong in assuming that? No, I, I agree with you in, in the idea that, like, because that happened, I don't have a career. Um, mm. In that particular instance, I agree with you. I think that when women come out against somebody publicly, they're, they are supported in some ways, but also uh, nobody that I have seen come out has gotten their job back. Right. And right. that to me is scary. So like, yes, they are speaking their truth and maybe some people even believe them and um, maybe they're out from under this really horrible situation, but they're not doing what they love. Like if you watch the, uh, the movie with, I forgot what it was called with like Megan and Kelly and Roger Ailes, a bombshell. It's really good. Okay. Um, like all of these anchors that came out against Roger Ailes, uh, like Gretchen Carlson, they're not doing, they're not on TV anymore. And that's what they love to do. They all went to school for journalism and like nobody is, is actually doing what they love. So that to me seems scary. That seems like a big price to pay still. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I got friends that'd be like, Oh, like, how are you going to say this is such a brave thing? These women aren't brave just because they, they rang the bell. I'm like, no, nah, you don't understand. Like, no matter how talented or how good you are at something, they're always going to tie you to this scandal. Yeah. Like you're always going to be like tied to this one thing in your life. And a lot of people don't want to take that chance. A lot of people are very much more comfortable. Like, you know what? I'll wash my hands with it. I don't want to do it. And, and they could, they could be guilty of sin. They could be, they could be dead on arrival as far as like, they could be patient zero and they'll still be like, it's not worth talking about it because like my shit's going to be done. If I talk about it, you know what I mean? I'm always going to be tied to this thing. Like you look at the R. Kelly documentary, those are some like, you know, Sparkle is an extremely talented songwriter, right? Like, mind you, she's no R. Kelly as far as like songwriting talent, but like she had her own career before this whole thing, but she's always going to be tied to like, you know, one of your nieces was like a girl that R. Kelly was sleeping with. Like it's, it's, it's awful. It really is awful, man. Um, That's a great point. 
Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll switch the subject because we were getting you. We were going to hoof. You're going to go there for a little bit. Um, you put up a, a, a story today on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, about, is it possible that, and, and I may be paraphrasing here, Ooh. that this is the, 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 the end of the influencer and as we know it. Right. And yeah. you're a big influencer. You're somebody who has. I'm a small one. <laughs> you're, you're, don't, don't sell yourself short. Okay. Like I'm the, I see, I see your names on the budget. All right. I see what you're getting. <laughs> um, so just before we get into that, I would like to know what being an influencer means to you. Yeah. And do you agree that, you know, after this entire pandemic, um, the, the world of influencing, especially in digital media is changed forever. Yeah. So, um, being an influencer to me, like I have a complicated relationship with it. I always have because mm-hmm. um, it's not my first job. Like my first job is a reporter, a journalist, a correspondent, and influencing has been a blessing in my life. Like by no means do I take it for granted, but it is definitely um, like it definitely supports my other stuff. Right. I went on Larry King's show one time. He was like, Danielle, can you explain what an influencer is? Like, I don't, you know, he still has a flip phone. So he's yeah. like, I don't explain to Larry King, this guy who doesn't even T9 text, like what an influencer is. So <laughs> I did a lot of research and like a lot of digging as to like, what does it mean to me? And I found this cool thing. So influence come, or influencer comes from the word influer in, in Latin and it means to flow. And I read a lot of Oprah and Oprah says, when you're in a state of flow, your personality and your purpose are aligned. Mm. Your personality and your purpose. So I feel like people on social media doing it best. Cardi B, The Rock, Liza Koshy. Like, who do you love? Uh, The Rock, you named him. That's my guy. (laughs) Yeah, my dream interview. Yeah, those are the people in my mind that like they are in flow because they're truly, they're not maybe showing all of themselves on social media, but what they're showing is authentic. Mm. And I think that influencers go in the wrong direction when they're, when they're putting on a fake life, a facade, trying to be something that they're not. And it just, it feels out of alignment and that's when it feels gross to me. So I promise myself that I would always try to add value. And so, you know, that comes in different forms in my life, but like, I, I never want to just post a photo with a cup of coffee. Like I'm always trying to like create a conversation or, you know, like just do something. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if you ever see me with a product, it's because either it changed my life and I'm like, you, you have to try this. Like I work with a company called noon and they, uh, they're an electrolyte company. And I reached out to them because their electrolytes, like I have low blood pressure and it changed my life. So like, I always try and make it of substance. Um, and this article was so interesting because there was this one influencer out of New York, actually, uh, she who must not be. I feel like I shouldn't name her. You guys can look up the article. It's in Vanity Fair. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, um, I probably wouldn't know, but if you give me like three or four guesses, I'd be like, ah, okay. And- yeah. Uh, I've never <laughs> met her. I don't know her, but um, uh, she did COVID wrong. <laughs> like, she really did it wrong. She, I think this whole thing is uh, people are telling on themselves. In COVID. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if there's anything to take away from this entire pandemic is that, like, a lot of people's true selves have started to just show through. Exactly. <laughs> like, she, this girl has a lot of privilege and does not recognize it. And I've seen it come out in, in past posts. That's why I don't follow her. Like, she's just not my vibe. Mm-hmm. But I think other people caught on because it was so exaggerated during this time. Like she did everything wrong in COVID. Um, and so I do think that the influencer world were changed. I think that, you know, brands are spending so much money on digital media and influencers. And now that everything's virtual because of COVID, that won't change. That mm-hmm. might increase, but the people that they will work with, I think will change because, um, Similar to what you said on our previous topic, like 
I don't, the way networks don't want to take a risk on somebody who may say or do something wrong. I think brands don't want to take a risk on an influencer that might blow up in their face. Right. So like right. I think micro influencers are going to be bigger too in this whole thing, which is like anywhere from 10 to 50,000 followers. Um, I think brands are going to be more apt to work with them. They have a more engaged audience. Uh, I think people are going to try and tie things to charitable practices more so. Um, it's an easier sell. And also, I think our generation appreciates a do well, do good mentality. Um, those are my sort of thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, man. Like it was one of those things where uh, I saw a great quote and it wasn't even like a, 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 a um, one of those mind-blowing, like, life-changing quotes. It was something just, fight the urge to make it about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> something that, you know, and, and it's and it's it's easy for us to do because, you know, we're, we're all our own star player in our head, man. Like, no matter how much you want to, you know, look out for your your fellow man and, and be the best version of yourself for other people, at the end of the day, you can't be your best version for other people if you're not looking out for yourself. So I understand why, you know, it might be hard for certain people, but just fight the urge to make it about yourself, man. Like, especially now. And, you know, it's, there's so, I've never felt so small (laughs) in my entire life. You know what I mean? Like not physically, just like insignificant, just like, you know, you're hearing people passing away. They can't even say bye to their family. They can't even like get a call. They can't even touch them. They can't hug them one more time. Like it is, and like, you know, I, I know a lot of nurses and a lot of, a lot of doctors and people in New York City, like in, in li- the literal front lines across the water, across the Hudson River right now. And like, they're legitimately like running out of body bags, running out of space. Like people are dying that quickly, that soon. My friend Rob, Rob Markman from Genius, his stepfather just passed away mm-hmm. and he was totally fine Thursday, totally fine, 100% no symptoms. And like, it's almost, I'm at the point where, you know, I don't even want to look at my phone for the, for the, for the, just, I'm afraid of bad news at this point. Like if it's not I something that's gonna... I've done something really important, like, you know, the influencers that are selling things or like clothing or sweatsuits, you're like, what does it matter? Like we're all just at the time. Now's not the time, man. Now's like now's not the time for for anything that is self serving. Now's yeah. not the time for anything that you know. Granted, maybe not everybody could come up with like a great charitable organization. Maybe not everybody could do something that's gonna you know uh, uh, light the world on fire and make people happy. But like, I feel like everybody has their their thing. For sure, um, you have your thing. I have my thing. Everybody has their thing. Calling and, you know, the day is a thing. Like yeah. the joy, you know. Yeah, it's like yo, if you if you bring some sort of joy or distraction to somebody, uh, for for thirty minutes, forty minutes a day, like that can make somebody's whole day, no matter what they're going through. And you know, if you're not doing that, especially if you have a, a, a some sort of influence, like I don't have a, a ton of followers, but I have like a sizable amount. Where I know that's. I'm gonna Stop. put that on you. You do every micro, a micro. Cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> um, I, I don't have a, I don't have a ton of followers, but I, I'm very well aware that like what I say carries weight to a certain group of people. So like the last thing I'm gonna want to do, especially during this time, is try to manipulate that and use them for anything that's gonna be just self-serving to me. You know what I mean? Like it's like when you are in service to others, you are actually serving yourself. It's right. a full circle thing. So just like you said, be in service to others. Don't make it about yourself. And it just all, it all works. All right. So, um, you know, talk to, let's talk about Miami, man. Miami was fun. <laughs> let's, 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 let's. You haven't outed me, by the way. Uh, outed you how? Yeah, that I was no fun in Miami. Stop, stop. What are you talking about? We had a blast in Miami. It was really no, fun. we had fun. But you, yeah. like, what's the plan for tonight? And I'm like, I'm going to sleep. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, after the Gaga show, all right, so we did, all right, so I'll, say, I'll take people back to what was in there. So I met Danielle in Miami. We were both doing um, direct TV 
interviews for NFL Sunday Ticket. Yeah. And uh, we got to interview a ton of people. We talked to Dak Prescott, Peyton Manning, uh, gosh, Tua Tungabayaloa, uh, Sean Merriman, I think, was there. A bunch of, a bunch of like, Larry Fitzgerald was there. Did we and then, um, Peyton Manning? What's up? Did we mention Peyton Manning? Hello. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Peyton Manning was there. Peyton Manning was there. Tap, tap on the back. Tap on the back. <laughs> um, but then after that, they had the uh, the big Saturday show. For, uh, Lady Gaga, which was I, I forgot the name of it, but it's like you know, big NFL Saturday, whatever. And it was cracking. We went there, had fun. I was like, all right, Danielle, where we where are we heading to next? You know, we, and she's like, uh, uh, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> I was so tired. Oh, yeah. God, those days wore me out. And you were like ready to go. I was so impressed. I'm like, I have if I could have as much fun as Kaz does, like on set and then offset, my life. <laughs> balanced <laughs> listen you know what it's one of those things where it's like i know how i know how privileged we are to be in the positions that we're in and i love sports like sports is like my life man like so it's like oh gosh i'm in miami for the super bowl and i can go party and then like still work and all that other stuff like granted it took a lot out of me it definitely took a lot i definitely was dragging my feet that Saturday morning, uh, getting ready for interviews, but we still made it. Um, but nah, man, like, so, you know, you, you interview so many people from, from athletes to entertainers, actors, to just tons of extremely interesting people. Do you have any stories to hold over people on, you know, on, on, on just anything? Like what's your favorite interview ever? My favorite ever. People always ask me, like, who's the meanest? And I'm like, I can't tell you that. <laughs> no, see, nobody wants to tell you that because you're not even you're not even meeting the real person exactly. when you're interviewing them. Like, you're meeting their representative. Yeah, exactly. And then, you, know. you know, it's always the people that surprise me that I love. Like, you know how Simon Cowell was supposed to be a huge jerk on American Idol and he was, like, so right. – and, like – in person, he is kind and charismatic and courteous of other people. Like, that was like, this is not the same person. Like, that's mm-hmm. always cool. Um, I love interviewing people that have an activism component. So, like, Michael B. Jordan, I think, is amazing. Um, I love the way he approaches roles. Um, he told me one time that he, uh, when he reads for roles, that he uh, won't go out for a role that uh, states like looking for a black man. He'll only go out for roles that say like looking for, you know, like this type of guy, like six foot, interesting, blah, blah, blah. And like, he'll go in for that role. I think it's called blind casting, mm. um, which moves the needle in my mind. Like, I think that yeah. people have like purpose and intention behind what they do. I'm so like, it just oozes out of them. And that's what I love. Um, who else was Leonardo DiCaprio is like surprisingly very shy. Really? Yeah. Like he's super nice. Yeah, we have two very different Leonardo DiCaprio stories. We're <laughs> in an interview. I'm not going to, you know, it wasn't in the interview. So I'm, right. All right. Continue. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Maybe you brought something out in him. Um, <laughs> I, I, I brought nothing out of him. He was yeah. <laughs> he was exactly who I wanted to meet that day. It was like when you when you unexpectedly run into somebody and you hear all these stories and you're just like, yes, I wish I you met are the guy. Huh? Oh man, I wish I met that version of him. All right, so I'll just tell you the story. It's nothing too crazy. Like, all right, so a couple years back. Uh, I, I ran a, a publication called Stashed, which was, uh, you know, funded by Steve Stout. And I was the editor in chief there and we were doing like our anniversary party. So, um, we were doing a, uh, after the anniversary party, we went to One Oak in New York and I went with my boss and we all went in and we all had our own section, uh, with Steve and then, uh, Pusha T was there and Pusha T is like a good friend. He's like, Oh, Pusha, what's going on, man? Da, 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 da. We're talking, yada, yada, yada. He's like, yo. I know you was in here, blah, blah, blah. We all having fun. All of a sudden, we turn around, and the section next to us, Leo DiCaprio, One Oak, sweatpants, hat brimmed down this low, surrounded, surrounded by 
New York's finest talent. And I was just like, and you know, he was just being him. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, being showy showy. He was a super chill. And you just, you know, you're just getting your, your people watch on and you're just like, God damn, that's a movie star right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I'll that's what i that's what the fuck I wanted to see, man. Sweatpants and the hardest club to get to in New York City with nothing but models. It's like, yeah. yes, Leo, you do the goddamn thing. About George Clooney. I look at him on a red carpet and I'm like, that is a movie star. I don't yeah. know if we have those in our day and age. I think everyone's so accessible that doesn't exist. Everybody's way too accessible. So like you have people that are famous. You have people that are good actors, but bang, names on the marquee, boom, tickets sold. We don't have that many people anymore. Maybe, uh, maybe The Rock. The Rock, maybe. but he's still kind of accessible. Like he's all over social media. Social media makes him very accessible. I think Will Smith was there before he became like super social media savvy. Yeah. Um, Beyonce. Beyonce, even though she's not an actor, I'm like, she has that quality about her. She has that aura. She has that aura where she's just super yeah. mega star. As soon as she's out there, oh shit, it's Beyonce. Everybody what about gets Gaga? But who? Lady Gaga. Yeah, 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 definitely Gaga. Definitely Gaga. Um, I would even say like LeBron James. Like he, he like he, so accessible. Like you see him posting videos dancing with his little girl who has a YouTube channel. Right. But at the same time, you can feel his presence from a block away. Okay. Like if LeBron James is in the is in the is in the area, you know it. Like yeah. he's walking like he's like Muhammad Ali when he walks down the street. Like he's just surrounded by people, and yeah. you know he's just untouchable. It's like oh yeah, that's that's a rock star right there. Man. I actually would love to know like who people would consider like that to have that star quality in our generation. In our generation, yeah, right. I would say top like top five. Like top five, me has that, but like also. She's accessible. It's weird. I would say, like, maybe, like, you know what's weird, right? Like, for some reason, I don't look at Drake like that, but I look at Lil Wayne like that, which is, like... That is weird. Uh, it is weird. No, because, like, Lil Wayne, he's, like, not all the way accessible. Like, Eminem's like that, where it's, like, he's not somebody where, like, you know, whatever. Like, whatever you think about his music is whatever. Makes up at 10 a.m. Right. Like there's certain people that just had that that aura that had that inaccessibility about them where it's just like, oh, my God, Eminem did that. Oh, shit. And like, I'm not even the biggest Eminem fan like that. But I know I know fame when I see it. You know what I mean? Like, I guess Kanye is there. You know what I mean? Like, as far as like excess inaccessibility like before he was like super accessible but like even now with the sunday service stuff it's like a weird sort of like bono quality where it's like where it's like you're you're famous and you 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 know your your shtick is like you're about the people but you're not necessarily like i could just reach out and touch you like like you know like drake leaves drake will leave a comment on like a girl's instagram that i know and I'm just like, yeah, come on, son. Like, you're too famous for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? He doesn't recognize that. Like, he'll pop on to, like, who's, um, whose Instagram Live did he go on the other day? He's on Joe Budden's Instagram Live. And it was, like, such a, like, he just popped on. It's like, you're too famous for that, Dre. You're too famous for this, bro. Like, I get it. I mean, like, you know what? More power to him. Like, if that's his shtick, that's his brand, still being able to be very accessible to people and talk and all that type of stuff, yeah. fantastic. But to me, it's like to reach that sort of, like, untouchable pop star, like, movie star quality, like, Beyonce got it. Rihanna definitely has it. You know what I mean? I would say, like, Rihanna's probably, like, the most, like, super rock star, pop star, mega star Right now, you know what I mean. Like what she's the one person about Rihanna cast. <laughs> oh, so stop it! So we're not, we're not, we're not doing this today. All I'm saying is Rihanna has that sort of like quality where there's certain people that drop things and everybody stops what they're doing. It's like yeah. oh shit! Like she can literally post a picture of her in underwear. It's like oh shit! New Savage Fancy collection dropping. Yada yada yada. And it's like the fact that she was on the Party Next Door album says five words on it and everybody's like oh my god she said five words 
<laughs> it's good. Yeah, like, right. it's, it's, go ahead. No, you're right. It's like it's every headline. She has that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's she's the Madonna of our generation. Where like Beyonce is almost like I don't want Beyonce's Beyonce. She's in her own league, right? But Rihanna just is like she's she reminds me of Madonna, where it's just like she's just not only does she put out the, the the best music and just has music that resonates with just men and women, even though she's not making songs for men, right? But she's somebody who just like shifts the culture with whatever she does. She literally got on Snapchat and said, like, you know what, we're not doing Snapchat no more. And it tanked. Like the IPO on Snapchat tanked. Like Rihanna said it, and then Kylie Jenner said it, and they've been like fighting uphill ever since. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like it's been that's the type of power she has, and and she recognizes it. And when you give it away so easily, you kind it kind of loses its luster, you know. Like as as the days go by. Um, before we wrap up, I'm gonna ask you just like two more. You know, I like to you know, especially people like you, I like to ask questions so people who like follow you and want to follow in your footsteps could kind of like get a few like you know, career gems out of you, okay? So, you know, before, you know, the life of a of a, of a mega influencer and, and oh interviewing all the time, uh, you were the youngest TV host in Chicago with uh, your role in The Jam. Yeah. So um, I would just like to know, what were some of the anticipated or underrated challenges of success at such a young age? Ooh. I think I always felt uh, like no one took me seriously and mm. I, maybe that's why I try so hard to be taken seriously with all my research. Mm. Um, that was definitely a challenge. I think um, learning how to navigate different personalities in a newsroom or a, like any sort of corporate environment. Um, I, it took me a long time to realize that sometimes um, even if you're right, doesn't mean that you're right. <laughs> like it doesn't, you don't have to, maybe being right isn't the objective, you know? Listen, being right is overrated. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to, you know who is right? The people that said don't get on that boat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't need to, you know, I'd much rather be second and safe then first and dead. And I think when you're young and you have a lot of passion, like it's important to fight for what you believe in. If something's like, you know, in news or in journalism, like there's been moments where I think words really matter where like, you know, somebody, a producer will write something that I feel like is, is wrong and I'll change it. Like, I don't, I don't think, you know, we should refer to somebody as um, X, I think we should refer to them as Y, like, you know, whatever it is. But um, I think when it comes to big ideas or getting along with your boss or trying to navigate those waters, it is so much like high school. And I definitely didn't realize that. Mm. Were there any uh, specific instances in your career where you felt like, all right, this is this this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think almost every job I've had, I had a different expectation going into it, uh, which is part of the reason that I'm creating my own interview series. Pretty smart is my logo um, <laughs> because we're going to get to that too. I know I wanted I, I had a vision and I wanted it to be what I wanted it to be, and I didn't want to have to confer with anybody. Um, but specific instances, like, I mean, there was a job where I was paid less than my male co-host and I knew from the beginning and that it was really hard and no shade on him because he was wonderful. It wasn't his fault. But like to sit next to him every day, knowing that we did the same job was really hard. Um, I think knowing when to quit jobs is also kind of hard. Like, mm. The idea that the like if you leap the net will appear is important. Um, I think specifically women are told to feel like in entertainment are feel told to feel really grateful for your job. Like you know, there's someone right behind you that'll take it, and you can feel grateful and also 
know your worth at the same time. And that's a really hard balance to strike. So talk to me about Pretty Smart. You're the founder of it. You're the host. You got the logo on your shirt. Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming it's, it's you know, it's been built out of necessity. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is something that you've kind of created because of the experiences you've had in your career and you felt like it was a need. So I would just love to know more about it. Thank you, Kaz. Uh, you're very intuitive. That's exactly why I created it. Um, I kind of wanted to use what's the skill set I have, which is getting great stories out of people to hopefully teach the next generation how to avoid all the mistakes that we've all made. Um, and I really believe like we learn through other people's stories. And so pretty smart is it focuses on people with passion and purpose and a point of view. And um, I really say it's like a community built and powered by people with something to say, like I'm so sick of Kardashian culture. I think it's ravaged America and I, and, and I, it's not necessarily just them. I use that like Kardashian culture. Like we see it in politics. We have a reality star as our president. And, yeah. and Look I, how I got us, huh? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> tweet was maybe the best tweet of COVID. <laughs> what did you say? I'm going to mess it up, but it was like, like I said, uh, it's almost like, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like electing a reality show star as president wasn't the best idea. <laughs> I shared that with, I shared that with so many people. It's just it, like, I'm yeah. sick of that. And I, I think that people are sick of it too. I think they, I think we underestimate people in media. Like people are smart. They want interesting content. It's been proven time and again, like Dax Shepard's podcast is super popular and he has really smart people on it. I want people with something to say. Um, I'm done with the nonsense. And so um, pretty smart is built off of that. Yeah. I, I think this is kind of what, uh, I think it kind of hit the nail on the head what I want to say less to be about. I feel like a lot of things I've done, which were great and fun, and I enjoyed doing it, like, you know, we all kind of grow up eventually. And, you know, there's a whole lot of interesting people out there, a whole lot of smart people out there with things with, with things that they need to say that I think is important. And I'd love being, you know, one of those people to uh, help bring that and. You know, obviously, we're, we're two very like-minded people, which is why I was very happy to have you on the show today, Danielle. Thank you so much. Uh, please tell the people, if, I mean, obviously, if they're not following you already, uh, where they can find you and what else you, you're working on while uh, we're all kind of cooped up in here. I was, I'm determined to come out of uh Corona snatched and smarter. That that's what I decided. <laughs> so, um, What's the home workout like? Are you like yeah, exactly. oh, I got home workouts. I'm not being that good. Um, <laughs> smarter. I'm drinking the champagne during the the. the oh, there you go. I'm not doing the best either, but uh, what are you gonna um, do? Yeah, but I'm on Danielle Robay. My name on on everything on Twitter on Instagram. Um, but I actually can I ask you a question before we end? Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm asking everybody that I talk to this. Has has Corona made you evaluate anything in your life that's major? Like, have you decided to pivot in any major way? 1,000%. And, and this is a big part of it. Um, I feel like the things I was doing, and mind you, this is kind of something I, I, I thought about uh, going into the year. Um, I feel like a lot of the things I was doing didn't really hold a, a ton of merit anymore. Mm. Um, I really didn't think that I didn't want to be, uh, man, I lost a lot of people in the past like year and a half and I didn't want to leave earth without anything substantial or, um, you know, something, um, I didn't want to leave earth without leaving something on this planet that I could be super proud of and know that it was 1000% my vision. I feel like I compromise a lot because, you know, as much as I love working with people, um, I try not to rock the boat mm -hmm. all the time because I, I'm very well aware of how I look and who I am. And I know a lot of people that I work with aren't necessarily that, uh, 
I, I frighten people sometimes. And I feel like I can frighten people sometimes because, you know, you're big and black and bearded and you got to kind of come and be like, oh, hey, 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 how are you? So you, you end up compromising a lot. And I, I've learned in this whole pandemic and this time alone and this time with people that I truly care about and people that truly support you that, um, you know, it's time to stop compromising so much um, when it comes to your career, when it comes to the people that you're around, when it comes to, you know, the people you love, when it comes to anything that you want to do in this life, and especially in our kind of line of work, like where you eat a lot of what you kill and you're not really necessarily tied to, you know, one entity all the way through. So, you know, I figured, you know, if I'm not going to, do it now. When am I? When am I going to just kind of take myself a little more seriously? So I've absolutely reevaluated a lot of stuff in my career and I'm starting to move accordingly because of that. That's so cool, Kaz. Ah, stop. <laughs> I love from the moment we met, you were like so uh, honest and vulnerable and it's it's rare. I really admire that about you. Danielle, you're one of my favorite people. I, uh, I, I don't try to I don't try to force a lot of friendships, but you know when they when they when they're there, they're there, and I don't try to just I don't try to mess with it, man. And you know you've been a one since day one, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank I really you. do appreciate you. Stay safe. Give my best to your family, and uh, when this is all over, we'll 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 hit the town somewhere again and 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 do what we always do. We're going to go on a coronation somewhere. <laughs> yes, yes. Take everybody. Yes. We out of here, man. Danielle, thank you so much. Stay safe. And uh, I'll see you soon, all right? See you. Later. And that has been Say Less. Thank you so much for checking out the show. You can follow me and follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Kazim, K-A-Z-E-E-M. Follow the show's Twitter at Say Less with Kaz. Also the show's Instagram, Say Less with Kaz. Subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, uh, Podbean, Acast, everywhere you can get podcasts from. Uh, Thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you tomorrow. Stay safe and wash your goddamn hands. Peace.